0: You are a two-time Amazon best-selling
1: author. One of the books that you've written. Influences and Influencers. I am
0: yes. quite interested in that book. I didn't know about the book prior to meeting you. Okay. What can you tell us about not just that book, but your two books? Because I envision that with the wealth of knowledge you have, having it in a book form can help to reach more people in the step of honesty so we understand commitment you say you're going to do x to x and if you're going to communicate this is how you communicate but in honesty sometimes you're placed in a difficult position where you want to be honest but you choose to tell a little white lie because you fear that being honest is going to hurt feelings and so you sugarcoat it you try to beat around the bush how do you, and let's say it's even a superior. So you're talking to your boss. You could get fired if, you were, if you're if you honest with him because it was your boss who was wrong, who made the mistake, who is costing mm-hmm. the company money. How do you navigate such a tough situation or a conversation in an honest way without getting your neck broke?
1: <laughs> and I mm-hmm. said to him, since when did you become the expert on that? Because you hired us to do it. We're doing all the right things. And now you're doing something that makes no sense at all, and you will not have a clean room operation. And when people come to visit you to see your clean room operation, they're going to say, you do not have a clean room operation, and you're going to tell them, well, I had this guy by the name of Peter Christian, and he didn't stop me from doing it. He said, oh, this was perfectly okay. I said, that's not gonna happen. You know, sometimes bosses tell you to do silly things, and you gotta stand up and say, no, that's not right, I'm sorry, and this is what I'm gonna do. And let you can fire me if you want. But guess what? It's not going to help you any. All right. So sometimes you got to fire the client too. Maybe the fire client doesn't always fire you. Sometimes you got to fire the client.
0: You, you've gone from small projects to major projects, local to international. You've been successful, so successful that you're helping other people on their journey to success, other businesses. What would you say are the two mm-hmm. or three most important? principles or rules or not necessarily just rules and principles but way of doing things perhaps culture that you've instilled in yourself that allowed you to be so successful and grow in such a
1: meteoric way that's what that's all about it is influences influencers to talk about those people to recognize them to appreciate them okay because there's a lot of people out there who want to help you they want to see you succeed and it's not just your mother and your father and it's that's not true. just your best friends it's people that you come across who really like you and want to see you successful and that's great
0: okay help us help you if you're excited about today's episode then hit the like and subscribe button to help us grow the more of this episode you watch you comment you hit like and you subscribe the bigger the channel grows The bigger the channel grows the bigger the guests get the bigger the guests get the more value you'll be able to get from every episode. So help us help you by hitting like and subscribing, and sharing this episode with your friends and family. Thank you. Let's get to the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Today we are joined with one Mr. Peter. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been quite a hectic day so far.
1: Okay. You are a
0: guest on a boardroom podcast and it's themed guest, mind you. I'd love to just dive right in. One of the questions that we always ask our guests is the same. It's a scenario that we're gonna play out. So let's say that you and I are friends. Um, where's your favorite city, actually?
1: My favorite city? Yes. Uh, I have a couple, but I like Dublin, Ireland for one. I think it's a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. And it's a great historical place, so that would be one for sure. Uh, I was born in New York City, so I still have a soft spot in my heart for New York City. Ah.
0: So we're gonna go with Dublin, Ireland. Okay. So let's say you So let's say you and I are friends, and okay. we're walking down one of the famous streets in Dublin, Ireland, one of your favorite places. and okay. I see one okay. of my friends coming towards us. And I say to my friend, friend, this is Peter Christian. Peter, this is Friend. Who exactly is Friend meeting when I introduce him to Peter Christian? Who am I? Yes. Uh,
1: I'm a uh, a summer retired person who uh, worked in industry for uh, over 40 years. Uh, and now I enjoy my retirement, uh, speaking and writing. And doing some teaching uh, and helping people to uh, to succeed in whatever it is that they're trying to do, whether it's business or life or whatever, by sharing some of the wisdom that I've acquired over the time when uh, I was involved in, in the working world. So uh, I would say that's that what I would say to them.
0: That sounds brilliant. And you mentioned that you're semi-retired. You have over 40 years of industry experience, so much experience a wealth of experience might you add that you're now helping others and their journey to success. A question that I like to put out there is what industry or industries did you work in during your time and what has been your experience working in those industries?
1: Well, I worked in a variety of industries, um, commercial production, industrial production, uh, companies that provided uh, goods and services to other companies. Uh, in order for them to produce whatever it was. Uh, I was in manufacturing and operations quite a bit, uh, but of a diversity of companies, from very, very small, one that made uh, communion uh, uh, dresses for young ladies uh, so they could uh, uh, wear them nicely on their communion. Uh, they were a very, very small local outfit. Uh, to uh, com- national companies or international companies like Samsung, so uh, it's been a wide uh, diversity of companies and people that I've worked with in a variety of places throughout the United States and even internationally.
0: That sounds brilliant. Which one do you prefer, though? Do you like working with a community-based uh, company that's just reaching lives on a smaller scale, or do you prefer the international corporate life? Which one had you most interested and excited to work
1: Uh, I think all of them, you know, each one has a plus and a minus to it, uh, and it all depends on, uh, how well I'm received and, uh, how well we work together. Uh, I've had certain individual companies that I like to work with better than other companies, but as far as industries go and, and location, it really doesn't matter to me, uh, if they have a need and I can help them to, uh, to satisfy that need then uh, that's what i'm looking for
0: i understand that so it was more about the craft and how comfortable you felt doing your craft mm-hmm. in the environment not so much the environment itself i am i'll be no. a bit curious please go ahead yeah uh
1: no uh, you know environment is certainly important Okay, and that's what uh, helps you to, uh, to succeed in working with other people uh, because if there's a hostile environment where uh, they're really not uh, doing what they say they're doing or want to do, then that causes problems but if they're open to working with you and they're receptive to what you're saying and we work together then uh, that's a great atmosphere a great environment to be in and that's what I, I want to do and you know, I've run across uh, all different kinds of things from people that are very receptive to, uh, to me and, and what I'm saying to uh, people who uh, don't buy in for whatever reason and uh, it doesn't work out as well it's just a mm-hmm. fact of life I guess we run into that every day with people that we deal with it's just the way Yeah, it that's is.
0: true. That's true. That's, um, that's been the story of history, a battle of ideologies and viewpoints, perceptions and <laughs> how to execute and
1: things. And people. So, and that's people. people. That's We're pretty, all right? diverse. Uh, we all have our pluses and minuses. Yep. I'm sure mm-hmm. I have mine, too. That's true.
0: You... You've gone from small projects to major projects, local to international. You've been successful, so successful that you're helping other people on their journey to success, other businesses. What would you say are the two Mm -hmm. or three most important principles or rules or not necessarily just rules and principles, but way of doing things, perhaps culture that you've instilled in yourself that allowed you to be so successful and grow in such a meteoric way?
1: Uh, I would say good communication between Mm -hmm. myself and whomever it is I'm dealing with. Uh, And I like to define communication as uh, a multi-step process. Uh, If I call you or I text you or I email you or I send you a memorandum or whatever the case may be, that's just step one. Step two then is to make sure that you've actually received that Uh, and you've read it or listened to it or, you know, whatever the case may be, and you understand what I'm saying, you may not agree with it, but you understand. Then step three is, okay, if there is a disconnect, uh, we don't quite agree on what I said uh, for whatever reason, uh, that we discuss that and resolve whatever the disagreement uh, or uh, question is. And then the fourth is, once we've come to an agreement on what it is that I've I've said and and what we've discussed uh, that uh, then some action is taken, all right, Uh, whether whether it's making a major change or continuing to do what you're doing or whatever the case may be. So there's really that four-step process in there. And if you leave any of them out, quite honestly, you don't have a very good communication. A lot of people just send that missive out and then they say, well, I communicated with somebody so like on yourself on. No, mm. no you've only started the process you've got to do the other no. steps first before there's true communication so I'd say that's number one Okay. number two is commitment uh, are you really committed to what you say you want and what you're willing to do and, and are willing to do it uh, there are many people who say that and then they're, when they're faced with what the actual actions are that they're going to have to take mm, all mm-hmm. of a sudden they get cold feet and they're not as committed as they said they were at the beginning if you're not going to be committed if you're not willing to to take the actions make the changes whatever it is that you need to do then be satisfied where you're at don't even get involved because kind of it's a waste of time it's a waste of time certainly for you it's a waste of time for me i could be talking to somebody else and and helping somebody who really wants to make the change and be committed Uh, so I I would say that's number two Uh, and number three is honesty okay Uh, you need to be honest with each other okay Uh, good consultants are honest with their clients they tell them not what they want to hear but what they need to hear and sometimes it's difficult to do that in fact in many instances it is because it may affect the individual that you're dealing with they may be the biggest problem and they have to make changes All right, Uh, and it's difficult to tell somebody that so you you need to find the right words to do it but to get the message across I, I see too many that sugarcoat it or they don't come out and tell them exactly what it is they need to do and then again You know, they're confused. They think that they're doing everything okay, which they're not, because if they were, they wouldn't have problems. They wouldn't get in touch with you in the first place. Um, uh, And then they need to, again, commit to making those changes. And if it's a personal thing, then they need to commit to that. Uh, It's not everybody else's problem or everybody else's fault. You share in that as, as well. So I would say those are three things. I mean, there are others we could talk about, but those are three biggies.
0: I'm hearing some very important points here, very salient ones. You said communication is the first one, commitment is the second, and then honesty is third. I love this framework, Mm -hmm. you even wrote down what effective communication looks like, it's not so much sending your ideas and thoughts out and then saying you're done, you have to ensure that the person got what you said, they understood that what you said is what you wanted to say, and then there's some follow-up and response and then some follow-up actions. The question that I really want to put out there, which is quite enthralling, if you might add add it, is in the step of honesty, so we understand commitment. You say you're gonna do X to X, and if you're gonna communicate, this is how you communicate. But in honesty, sometimes you're placed Mm. in a difficult position where you want to be honest, but you choose to tell a little white lie Mm. because you fear that being honest is going to hurt feelings and so you sugarcoat it you try to beat around the bush how do you and let's say it's even a superior so you're talking to your boss you could get fired if you're if you're honest with him because it was your boss who was wrong who made the mistake who is costing Mm -hmm. the company money how do you navigate such a tough situation or conversation in an honest way without getting your neck broke
1: Uh, well, in some cases you may, okay. I worked for some companies and I had some bosses that I did not see eye to eye with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, they would tell me to do certain things. I had one, uh, I was in charge of project engineering. Uh, the company was having a so, so year. Okay. Uh, so they were watching the expenses, uh, but we had capital projects going on and we were purchasing new equipment. Uh, And he stopped me in the hallway, didn't even have me in his office or him in my office to have the conversation, but stops me in the hallway and says, I don't want you or any of your engineers to be traveling to these companies to check the equipment out. Uh, We're just going to accept whatever they send us and then we'll deal with it when we get here. Well, I've been down that road before and that was difficult, okay? because there could be some major problems and we were spending a good amount of money on this equipment and I expected when we got it it was in a pretty good stead at that point uh, mm-hmm. and I said to him uh, the company's watching the expenses which is you know the salaries and the benefits and you know,
0: uh, Overhead. You know things
1: that would hit your expense budget but capital mm-hmm. projects was a different thing and they were committed to that and we needed to do that and do that well and I said to him we will travel wherever it's necessary. So I totally disagreed with them right in the hallway where everybody could hear. I said, and we will travel unless they put a total ban on it. I said, and then I will not be responsible for the condition that equipment comes in or anything else. That's up to you folks then. Well, that's a pretty difficult decision to say. Basically say to your boss, you know, if if you demand that and, and you block me from doing it, then it's now on you. It's not on me anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we continued to travel and we continued to do what was necessary. You know, sometimes bosses tell you to do silly things and you got to stand up and say, no, that's not right. I'm sorry. And this is what I'm going to do. And you can fire me if you want, but guess what? It's not going to help you any. All right. Um, so that was just one instance, you know, and there were others where I I had that, where I had to tell people I disagreed with them. And, uh, it was people who were at a higher level than me and it's not an easy thing to do, but you do it in a professional manner. All right. You don't, um, threaten them or, or, um, make them sound silly. You just point out the viewpoints, you use the logic or whatever it is that you need to, Uh, And then you let the chips fall where they may. Quite honestly, if they're going to fire you, if they're going to chop your neck off, maybe that's not the place you want to be working anyway. Because if they're going to take that attitude and they're not going to listen to you, but they want everything to be perfect, well, first of all, it's not a perfect world. You and I both know that. Problems happen all the time. And where you're good is when a problem crops up, you deal with it. Okay? And to act surprised, like, oh, my goodness, how could that happen? Well, are you really living in the same world I am? Anybody who deals with projects knows there are always problems with projects. And if you're not not up on that, if if you don't recognize that, then you haven't been dealing with projects, okay? You've been sitting back and letting everybody else do it. I had one person Mm -hmm. who was like that. How could that happen? Because things happen. You know, that's life. Mm -hmm. Things Mm -hmm. go wrong. And then you fix them. So, uh, it, and again, you got to be honest with people. You don't go, oh, I don't know how that could have happened. Oh, that never happened before. Yes, it did. It happened a million times before, not just to me, but to a lot of other people. So mm-hmm. anyway, it, it's a balancing act, okay? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you tread very lightly on things uh, because you could get fired for saying something, but that's mm-hmm. the danger you have when you're, you're being open and honest with people.
0: This one, it's a cord with me. Just to share a story, I recently uh-huh. had a client uh, fire me uh-huh. or terminate contract like three months into a 12-month contract. And the reason why they did that is they said, and these are their words, we hired you. You've done everything that you said that you would do. The fault is with us. And when I got down to the nitty-gritty of it, it was that they wanted me to do some work. That I said to them that if I do this... It derails, it detracts from what we're aiming to do financially. And it's such a bad decision that you have that even Google is going to send us a warning and they're going to penalize us, which goes against the word that we're trying to do. And in the end, it terminated me after three months, twelve into a 12-month contract. And you know, the thing about it that we always have to look at when it comes to honesty and integrity, whatever happens after you're honest is perhaps better and most likely better than what would have happened if you had lied or been deceptive that's that's something that we can not just gloss over
1: yeah yeah companies do some strange things i had a client like that we were right in the middle of the project they wanted to consolidate two facilities and then they decided which one was going to be the main one that would be consolidated into and which one they would close so we followed dutifully with that and we came up with the game plan about how to consolidate and how to uh uh, organize the, the facility that was going to receive the, the stuff from the other one. Uh, mm-hmm. And we just about got to that point and they said, uh, we changed our mind. We're canceling the project. No reason why, just, it's like, okay, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, you, you wonder why they started in the first place and uh, maybe it should have been a study to determine whether to, to consolidate the facilities, but they were already determined that that's what they were going to do and that's what we were given the task of doing and and we did it very well, all right, and then they changed their mind and without a reason and uh, they let us, you know, they they closed down the project and that was it. Uh, So uh, things like that happen sometimes, okay. I had another one where uh, I was working with a company and they wanted to put a clean room operation together, so we, uh, uh, they were going to do it on a second level. Uh, the only way to get up to the second level was stairs and they were going to be moving product and equipment and so forth So the first thing we needed to do was to uh, put an elevator in So we identified yeah. where and the location and all that and got that all done And then we were working on the labs that were going to be clean room uh, And we got mm-hmm. to the point where we had the specifications on what we wanted and we were going to get the contractors uh, and I get a call one day from the owner and he says um, We think that it's gonna be too expensive to do what you want us to do. So instead of putting in the air handling equipment that we're gonna need, if you're familiar with the clean room operations, basically it takes the air and it it sends it through filters and it gets it down to as fine a particulates as you want it to be because there are different levels. He said, Mm -hmm. we're not gonna do any of that. We're gonna put air conditioning units in the window. Well, that's not, you know, a clean room operation. That's chilling a room down. I mean, I have that in my house. I do not have a clean room operation. I couldn't run a laboratory in here, okay? And I Mm -hmm. said to him, since when did you become the expert on that? Because you hired us to do it. We're doing all the right things, and now you're doing something that makes no sense at all, and you will not have a clean room operation. And when people come to visit you to see your clean room operation, they're going to say, you do not have a clean room operation and you're going to tell them, well, I had this guy by the name of Peter Christian and he didn't stop me from doing it. He said, Oh, this was perfectly okay. I said, that's not going to happen. I said, so if you continue down the path of what you're doing, I said, then I leave the project you're on your own and you do not use my name and attribute what you're doing to me and to my company because it's wrong. And guess what? We stopped the project. Okay, thank you very much, okay? Because, you know, your reputation's on the line. And when yes. people attribute things to you that you know are wrong or you don't agree with, and you don't stop them, then shame on you, okay? So, uh, mm-hmm. we stopped them, and we, we didn't finish the project. And whatever they did, I have no idea because I could have cared less at that point. And, and what he said to me is, well, you're pretty nasty about this. I'm telling the guy the truth. I wasn't being nasty. I was saying, what you're doing is right. not a clean room operation. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I said, fine, call me whatever you want to, but uh, you know we're done. And we were. Yeah. So Sometimes you got to fire the client too. Maybe the client doesn't always fire you. Sometimes you got to fire the client. And that's
0: something we got to learn. You're familiar with the Ocean Gate incident that happened a few months ago? with the submarine that Boy, um, it
1: was all over the news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it still like is. The- They're still recovering.
0: They're still recovering pieces yeah. of it? Wow. You know that uh-huh. there was also a similar situation where the CEO refused to listen to the engineer that said, hey, this window right here is not going to work for the depths that we need to go in terms of the water pressure that's going to come in. And they fi- they fired the engineer and sued him and he had to counter suit. And it was that window that exploded that eventually caused everything. I mean, we have, you and I alone have so many stories to tell about this that we could go on forever. But the moral yeah, of the story... There's another
1: famous one, if you remember with the space shuttle, space shuttle Challenger that exploded and killed a number of astronauts. And the engineers mm-hmm. told them that the O-rings were defective And they plowed ahead anyway, and that's what caused the explosion. And uh, what, seven or eight people lost their lives because of that. So, yep.
0: Could we also got to listen
1: to the experts?
0: Yes. When you hire the expert, give them the room to do what they need to get done, and trust them to make the right decisions in your best interest. Could we say that this is also a leadership? law that many business owners, CEOs, executives even, managers have that is causing their companies, costing their companies, sorry, billions of dollars?
1: Uh, I I don't know how many, I haven't done studies on it, but I would say that there are probably quite a few and not just large companies, small companies as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in the case of the submarine. Uh, who's going to sign up to be uh, heading down to, uh, uh, to explore the Titanic at this point? I don't think there's a big line for that, okay? Because uh, people are going, you got to prove to me, you know, so you run like 100 voyages of other people and then I'll, I'll decide whether I want to go down. And Challenger uh, and the space shuttle program, that was set back for a number of years mm. uh, because of the disaster that occurred, okay? Uh, so uh, there's ramifications to what you do, besides the fact that a number of people get killed, which is probably the worst of all. But uh, long term, there's ramifications to it as well. So you better pay attention. And that CEO lost his life. He was on that submarine.
0: Yes, he was a so captain. He paid actually. the
1: ultimate price. Yes, he was.
0: And he didn't so. pay enough because he cost the life of many others as well. That's what I think. Sad to say, but that's the truth. You don't Absolutely. play a lot. You don't play yes. with people's lives. You know?
1: Yeah. No. You want to screw around with your own life? Be my guest. Do not do that with other people.
0: That's true. The interesting thing about this conversation is that we're just here having a fun conversation about <laughs> some of the most toxic yeah. things that you find happening in work environments. What are some of the best things that you found working in companies that have succeeded that you can say whenever companies do these one, two or three things, this is what really generates their success. For example, Samsung, they have totally eclipsed Apple as one of the premium. I'm going to get out of flack for this, but I believe that Samsung make better phones than Apple. Quite blank. So what are some of the things that you would say that companies do that make them so successful and stand out against their competition?
1: Uh, th- there are a lot of very smart people working in, in companies, okay, mm-hmm. and I've learned lots from them, uh, and they are cooperative, and they yep. la- like to work together, okay. and they learn things as well as I learn things, and we communicate well, and we become friends. I have a number of people who uh, I became friends with in businesses that were clients of mine. Uh, And that doesn't happen all the time, but uh, we've had great relationships together. And some of them, I was so impressed by what they did that when I had another client that was doing something similar, let's say it was uh, a customer service operation or a maintenance uh, thing or or, or whatever the case may be, um, I would say to the new client, You know, I had a previous one and they're not in the same industry you are. So there's no conflict of interest or, you know, they're not telling secrets to their competitors uh, and I would like to hook you up with them and you guys can talk, even though they're in a different industry, there's things that you can learn from them uh, so that you can run your project or, or make the changes. And the client that I referred them to was more than happy to do that. So that's a great relationship when you have clients that trust you and you say, I would like to bring somebody else in or have them visit you and I don't need to be there so that they can learn from you and they go, we welcome it. We'll be more than happy to do that. Okay. So I've had a number of those and those are truly wonderful companies because they're willing to share. what they've learned and then their success with others to help to make them successful, doesn't uh, help them at all, necessarily, uh, you know, to have somebody else come in, uh, but they're willing to share with people. And that's pretty wonderful. And those are pretty special people to me. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I've had a number of great clients, you know, we kind of talked about some of the bad stuff, but I've had, I would say probably 90% of the uh, uh, encounters that I had with clients and and the work I did uh, turned out to be extremely satisfying and successful and happy and the other 10 percent I wouldn't say it was a failure but there were difficulties because they didn't pay attention and they didn't do what they should have done Uh, and I feel badly about that because when I take an engagement I take it personally Uh, for that period of time while I'm working with the client, I'm part of the client in his or her organization. Yes. And if it doesn't work out, I take that personally. Because to me, that's my failure as well as their failure. What could I have done differently that would change the outcome? In some cases, you couldn't do anything. There were just some people who, you, you whatever you do, you're not going to convince them or you're not going to get them to move. All right? And that again, that's a sad fact of life. But you always think to yourself, is there something else I could have done? You know, because I really could use the help. But they're not willing to accept it. They're not willing to to commit. They're not communicating. they are not honest. You know, all those things we talked about previously. So then you move on. Like the guy with the clean room, he just wasn't going to listen. So what do you do? He didn't want to spend the money. That's what it all was. It was all about the bucks. (laughs) all I've about found fucks, and that's a sad thing
0: business is about relationships isn't it the good ones and the bad ones yes
1: it is it's always got people if it wasn't for the people it'd be so easy oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> but it's dealing with the people it's dealing with the people
0: you know what's quite interesting a lot of times when what? we when we enter into a. uh Negotiation. So let's say you as an engineer enter into negotiation to build a cleaning room, right? And you might say to the person, I don't know how much a cleaning room would cost, but let's just say it's going to be $50,000. It's going to be a six month project. And you outline this and they say, all right, let's get this done. They might be saying at some point that this is an expensive project and I could find someone to do it cheaper. But do they even realize that the most expensive thing that they could do at this stage is to hire someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Because this, uh, company no. with the cleaning room, now they've spent, let's say you, you said, all right, $50,000 and they say nice, oh, too expensive. I'll pay 30. And they pay someone 30 to put in AC, AC units for, to their windows. He spent $30,000 and he still doesn't have a cleaning room. And when he's ready, regist- he's ready to get one, it's going to be at least $50,000 because inflation and prices go up.
1: More than that, because now they got to take out the stuff that they did. So they got to correct the mistakes that they made, and that's expensive, okay? So Uh all of a sudden, you spend a heck of a lot more money than you would have if you had done it right, okay? Now, Mm -hmm. just by going to the higher-priced person doesn't necessarily guarantee success, because I've seen that with companies where they spend lots of money, okay, and it's not successful because they went the wrong way. They pick the wrong thing to do, I, I, particularly with information systems. Small companies mm-hmm. who put humongous information systems into place to run their businesses are making a big, big, big mistake, all right, because they're way too complex for them. They're not ready for it. You you put in the size of the system uh, that fits your company, and there are all sorts of them out there, and then as you grow, then you Grow the system, so you look at how you can expand it and and, and so forth, uh, so that as time goes on, you make the investments. But if you go and you put a major investment in, and you're not ready for it, that can be a problem. Now, there was nothing wrong with the system. It was wrong with a fit between you and the system. Uh, I saw startup companies that would spend a million dollars, literally a million dollars. They hadn't even started their operation yet on an information system. And you're going, oh, they're in for a lot of trouble. They're in for Funny. a lot. Put in one that's worth maybe fifty thousand dollars, okay? And down the road you can build up. And and when you're ready, then you can put the million dollar system in it if that's what you want. But not to start with, okay? That's so, just too much. You know, just spending the money isn't the right thing either there's got to be the right fit and you've got to do the right things okay but yeah uh window air conditioners for a clean room that's not the right thing so (laughs) let's just get past that all right doesn't work it'll cool it down it'll make it you you know really nice uh, environmentally as far as coolness goes but it won't uh, take the dust and the dirt and the debris out of the air that you expected it to so that's true that's not what air conditioners do they cool things down but they don't filter the air.
0: So I'm so. hearing that we should go with the competent option, a competent person. And pricing doesn't always reflect quality. Who would have thought? I am an avid reader. <laughs> I love books. You are a two-time Amazon best-selling author. One of the books that you've written.
1: Influences and Influencers.
0: I yes. am quite interested in that book. I didn't know about the book prior to meeting you. Okay. What can you tell us about not just that book, but your two books? Because I envision that with the wealth of knowledge you have, having it in a book form can help to reach more people. Someone might be listening or watching that would be like to learn more about you, learn more from you. These two books are a very good way, a very good place to start. So what can you tell us about okay. your two books? I'm very excited.
1: Okay. So let's start with that one that you named. Okay. And then we'll get to the other one in a little bit. Uh, but influences and influencers in our lives, okay, there are people who have an influence on us that we learn from, and we learn good things, and we learn some not good, so good things, okay, because you learn from bad as well as from good, uh, and you take all that information in, and that that shapes how you think, how you act, how you make decisions, okay, how you deal with people, uh, and I certainly had that in my life, so I thought writing about that for a couple of reasons. One, again, to get information out to people so that they're cognizant of that because they have that as well. Not the same people that are influencing me and my life by and large, uh, but they have similar people in their lives. Recognize that, okay? Give thanks where you need to. And I was trying to do that as well to give thanks to those people uh, because I think they helped me a lot in my life and in my professional career uh and also that uh, to kind of express why i think the way i do and we have because you and i uh, we may agree on things but we still come at it from a slightly different angle based on your background and your experiences and, and the people that you've dealt with okay uh and that's perfectly okay you want to have that you don't want to have everybody who thinks exactly the same You want to have opinions on this side and opinions on that side, and you take all that information and you process it, and then you make the best decision that you can, okay? Uh, And you may think uh, one way today, and then something happens, a new discovery or or a new thought that you hadn't uh, thought about before, and Mm -hmm. it changes your opinion on things, and and you deal in a slightly different uh, manner. It's not radical changes, okay? Okay you don't go from this side to this side overnight it's a gradual move and you may never get to the other side you may wind up in the middle but that's what that's all about is influences influencers to talk about those people to recognize them to appreciate them okay because there's a lot of people out there who want to help you they want to see you succeed and it's not just your mother and your father and it's not True. just your best friends. It's people that you come across who really like you and want to see you successful. And that's great. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what Influences and Influencers is about. That was book number two. Book number one was is titled What About the Vermin Problem? And that's the mm-hmm. first book that I wrote. Uh, and that was a collection of... Uh, as I was going through my professional life and particularly in consulting and and meeting and dealing with different people, stories that crop up in my experiences working with other companies and people uh, that had uh, an impact on me, all right? Uh, And some were very successful outcomes and some were not so successful outcomes. Uh, And it's to point those out and to point out to people that the decisions that we make have ramifications to them, like the clean room operation. You can imagine if he went ahead and put those air conditioners in, he did not have a clean room and he had spent whatever the dollars were. You know, we can guess at that. And he was going to have to fix it if he truly wanted it. Okay. Why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Okay. There's one section in there that's called, I know more than you do. Okay. Okay. Uh, where you, you deal with somebody and they're trying to tell you how smart they are. Okay. And they're challenging everything that you're telling them. And they're, they're coming up with counter. Well, why are you doing that? Why would you hire somebody to be a consultant to you only so you can prove to them that you're smarter than they are, then you become the consultant and go out and do that. But otherwise you have instances, you need them fixed. You need somebody who's been there and done that and 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 has a good idea what to do and if you don't listen to them and you try to tell them how smart you are first of all you're acting like a fool okay because if you're that smart you wouldn't have the problem and you would fix it Uh, and secondly you're spending time and money with that person what to convince them that you're really smart you don't need to do that okay it shows through if you're really smart it really shows through um so there were instances are 12 stories in there they're broken into three categories called the good the bad and the ugly uh and my compliments to clint eastwood on that if you remember his famous movie the good the bad and the ugly uh and there were four stories about good where companies you know did what they needed to do and and they were cooperative and they challenged okay they asked questions and they understood and then they went ahead and they did it and they had great results. And then there was the bad, where I had some not so good instances, and they uh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And that was the bad part. And it didn't it wasn't um, threatening where they were going to close their doors, but they continued to have problems. And then there was the ugly, where they really did some goofy things, okay, uh, and to the point where it caused problems for them. Some major problems. And even the title of the book, What About the Vermin Problem, is one of those instances. And it goes back to communication. We had a client who wasn't communicating properly. And we were trying to come up with what was best to expand their facility. When we came up with the recommendation to add square footage and then to move the operations around and put the manufacturing where the warehousing was and the warehousing where the manufacturing was, they said to us, well, what about the vermin problem? (laughs) And we went, what burn problem? And they said, well, we're in an old mill and we still have mice or rats or, you know, whatever eats uh, the the stuff that was done in the mill. Well, the mill was like 40 years ago. You would think by that time they had figured that out and cleaned out the vermin, okay, Uh, because there are plenty of ways to do that, uh, but never told us about it. And they said, well, right where you're going to put the manufacturing is where the vermin are, which was the warehouse. So it was okay for the vermin to run around on all the materials they were processing, all right, but not to be where the actual processing occurred. So it didn't matter where the vermin were, it was still a problem. Uh, and they, they shot down our recommendations and then they didn't do anything for four years after that, even though they needed to expand their operations. So it goes back to, again, you need to communicate with people, okay? You need to honest. give them the information they need to, to, to do the business, and you need to give them the right information in the total. Again, you need to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the day one they could have said, and by the way, we have a vermin problem. Okay? So you take that into account and you're dealing with stuff. And one of the recommendations was, would have been how to get rid of the vermin. Okay? It would have been obvious. Well, then you won't have the problem anymore. Why have you lived with it for 40 years? Okay, And again, that doesn't make you look very smart to say, I've Andrew. had this problem for 40 years and I haven't done anything about it. And I still have it. It's like, really? So anyway, so that's what book number one is about. I wrote that and the person I was working with said, you really write to need to write book number two because that's what authors do. They don't just write one book. They write multiple books. So I did it okay and both turned out to be very successful i use them in my class uh, in project management as instruction to people even though they are not specifically written for project management but they have the influences of them certainly because the first one 12 stories all came from managing projects so i teach my students what to do and what not to do and how to think and what the fine line is between success and failure and sometimes it's a very fine line based on the decisions we make so that's what they're about. So they are on Amazon. Feel free to get them. They are great reads, okay? They're concise. They're to the point. Uh, there's not a lot of extra verbiage in there, and they make sense. I have people who tell me, yes, I have been down that road before, and I know somebody like that, and, you know, or I've dealt with them. And so, okay?
0: Yes, what I will do is I will add links to the books in the description of the video and for the podcasting platforms in the show notes, we'll also have links to them. And if you guys aren't sure okay. what the names of the books are, I'll just have them come up on screen right now. You mentioned that your friend who you're working with at the time said, hey, write a second book. That's what authors do. You were telling me about the first book and then the second book. And I was thinking, well, what about a third book? And the idea coming to my mind is that you have such a wealth of knowledge and experience in seeing companies thrive and succeed. Why don't you write a book to specifically help entrepreneurs foster and cultivate the right mindset to create a successful work environment and career? Is that something you'd be interested in?
1: Funny you should bring that up. So after book number two is done, she says Mm -hmm. to me, I want you to write an article each month for 12 months. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So about into the second or third month, it's sudden the light bulb goes off. And I said, you know what? She's got me writing my third book. So I went, we would meet on a regular basis. And so I brought that up to her and she just started, you know, that (laughs) like, oh, you caught me. Uh, right. And so I have been writing. I have a collect. It's been more than a year. I've probably like two or three years now. I even have a title for it because what I would do when I would go into new clients to find out what the real problem was because they tell you what the problem is, what they think it is, and, and so what I, I would say is, "What is it that keeps you awake at night? Uh, what is it that bothers you so much?" Okay, that. It could literally keep you awake at night. You're losing sleep over it, and you have to deal with it day after day. So I have a whole collection of articles written uh, uh, under the theme, what is it that keeps you awake at night? So I've got a lot of stuff there. I could put book number three out, all right, if I decide to. I haven't yet. Okay, but I got the articles. I just need to organize them and and all that stuff and decide. Because like I said, I got more than a year's worth. So uh, I got like three years. So I'd have to consolidate. Because I'm not one to want to, you know, bludgeon you to death with words and stuff. I get to the point. Make my point. You go from there. So anyway, so thank you for asking. Maybe you're convincing me that I should go ahead and do it. So we'll see.
0: I'm hoping that you do the reason is because whenever great men come along we want to learn from them the Edisons the Lincolns the fours you might add and you have so much to offer that putting out a third book is just leaving a legacy that people will always have you in their hearts and remember the good things that you've done and some of the bad things that you've been through as well which can only be wonderful inspiration well
1: if you're really interested, listeners, okay, you can read the articles because yes. I belong to an organization called Medium. If you're not familiar with it, go online and you can find out. It costs you uh, maybe $50 a year to join, and I'm on there with a bunch of other authors, and all of the writings that I've done so far are published on there, okay, under the banner of. What keeps you awake at night? And then there's all different, uh, you know, specific items to talk about in regards to that. Uh, You know, am I successful? Am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right job? You know, do I make good decisions? Do I make bad decisions? Am I a good person? All sorts of things that we go through, that we struggle with, not just in business, but in our lives, too. So they're all on there so if you don't want to wait for book number three because I haven't decided yet all those articles are on there you can get a head start on it before I tie them all together into a nice neat package so look up medium alright and uh, it's a great place to be there's a lot of fantastic writers on there and thank you very much for putting me in with Edison and Ford and all those other people I'm in rarefied atmosphere today yeah, that's made true. made my day that... for me a lot of times thank
0: you you are welcome. Of course, Margaret, they're all sir.
1: dead, you know. Could you pick some live live people to put me in the rarefied atmosphere?
0: <laughs> if I had to pick someone alive, I'd go with two. I'd go with Bezos and i will go with Musk. Bezos because he changed the okay. way we do commerce. Musk in that is constantly yeah. challenging what's possible and how we think and go about our daily lives. And he's succeeding at it. Bezos, Musk, I'd go with them. Zuckerberg as well, but I don't particularly like how Facebook has handled Dates and okay. privacy and well, mental good. health. Thank you for
1: putting me in with the living. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> Tell us your story. I don't want to have to be dead in order to be recognized. I won't get any no. satisfaction out of that. So, No.
0: That's true. That's true. Could you share with us a little bit about your childhood growing up, who you were, the things that fascinated you, and perhaps help us to understand how your childhood helped to shape the person you are today?
1: Okay. Um, I grew up in a kind of a middle-class family, okay? Um, while we didn't want for anything, our, my parents were very strict, so we were not spoiled children, okay? They were very tight on what we got and what we didn't get and we had to earn what we got. Uh, If I came home with a report card with all A's on it, I got a dollar for getting all A's on my report card, which is not a phenomenal amount of money, but hey, what the heck. Uh, I was big time into sports. I loved sports. I was always competitive. Uh, I played baseball. Uh, Everybody's familiar with that. I started as an outfielder and I wound up in the infield. Uh, because an opportunity arose to play more and I took it, uh, mm-hmm. which totally freaked my father out because he was looking for me at the game and found me at third base and he had never seen me there before. So, um, But I really loved basketball and I still do to this day. That's my favorite sport. And I was a very good basketball player. I actually mm-hmm. scored 59 points in one game which i'm very proud of and i was never so tired after that my arms couldn't i couldn't raise them after that it's amazing what you go through uh playing basketball uh it's quite a a strenuous sport Uh, yes it is but i love sports okay which uh, certainly got me competitive uh Mm -hmm. got me to think strategy because sports is not just about uh you know the athletic physical part but also you have to think Okay, and one of my favorite uh, sports people in basketball was a fellow by the name of Bill Bradley, who graduated from Princeton University. Uh, he was not the fastest guy; he was not the um, the best oh, shooter. Okay, but he was very thoughtful, and he played. You know, and he always got himself in the right position, and he would find the the guys that he needed to to, to get the pass to to score and. And uh, so he was one of my favorite players, Okay, Um, as opposed to, you know, some of the others that were more uh, athletic, you know, the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryants and that And he he came a little bit before them. But uh, anyway, I mean, I still uh, have high regard for them, their work ethics and, you know, their ability to to do what they did. uh, But uh, Bill Bradley was a very thoughtful player and he played on my favorite team at the time, which was the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, Um, And they won two championships while he was there. So, uh, you know, so I was in my glory. Uh, I did other things, uh, but mostly sports. Sports consumed a lot. I was a very good student. Okay, Uh, I went to a specialized high school in New York City called Brooklyn Tech High School, Brooklyn Technical, uh, where you had to actually pass an exam to get in. Uh, and, uh, I went there, which kind of got me started into the scientific engineering realm and, and why I want to get into engineering, uh, and why I want to study that in college. Uh, I had a social group through my church that, uh, dealt with, and, uh, we met, uh, uh, every week or every other week and we went on trips and, and so forth. Uh, so, uh, uh, all in all, I had a pretty good uh, growing up period. Uh, I would say it was it was good. Uh, like I said, we weren't wanting for anything, but yet we were not spoiled where we got everything we wanted and when we wanted and so forth. So, um, it, and, and I tried to instill that on my children then growing up, that you get what mm-hmm. you earn, okay? You don't just get mm-hmm. it handed to you. Yes, okay? I love that. Uh, and, and they they learn that lesson. Okay. And and hopefully they're now teaching their children that I have some grandchildren through them. Uh, But I think that's an important lesson for everybody. Do not look for people to just give you things. You earn what you get through what you do and what you say and and who you deal with. So, Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I grew up in New York city I thought it was the greatest place in the world uh, to live and I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And then all of a sudden I realized there are lots of other neat places in the world and no really growing up in a big city is not all it's cracked up to be sometimes. So, uh, uh, so I've lived in different places and, uh, they've all been good. I been great places, a lot of nice people, a lot of uh, smart people, a lot of friendly people. So, uh, uh. But, uh, that that was kind of my childhood
0: i can hear a few things that work for you the thing that really came to my mind that attributed to your success is that your parents held you accountable for performing well and maintaining a certain level of performance uh-huh. and even though you were rewarded you weren't rewarded in such a way that diminished the value of the work that you put in and because the, the interesting thing you know you see if you have an employee that's performing really well And they've done something outstanding, Mm -hmm. and the way you reward them is by giving them a raise or giving them a bonus of some sort in a way that detracts from the love that they had that did it. Because now it's not about doing it for who for what they love, but it's about doing it for money. And they even had a study on this where they had kids draw pictures and they started to pay the kids for drawing the pictures. And over time, they realized that if they didn't pay the kids, the kids did not draw. So I love that lesson. I also hear the sport aspect being competitive in sports that taught you a few things that I'm pretty sure helped you in your engineering career and in your entrepreneurship, coaching, mentoring career, because it's teaching understanding people. That's like the biggest one right there, getting along with people functioning as part as, a, as part of a team, being consistent and persistent with working and improving and getting better at your craft and the competitiveness that comes with just doing a sport where you don't want to be just another guy. You want to be really good at what you do so much so that you score 59 points in a game. I couldn't raise your arm after that. That's, that's inspirational. And I love that. That's just, that's off.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I not only played sports, but then as an adult, I coached sports and I had a lot of enjoyment uh, with working with uh, kids to uh, improve their skills and, and to teach them about the game. Okay. Uh, both in basketball and in baseball. Uh, One thing about, you know, you mentioned about my parents holding us accountable. Uh, When I went to college, okay, uh, my first semester, uh, undergraduate, uh, I was doing fine, but it was a a bit of a a change from high school and, and so forth, and I was struggling a little bit, particularly with calculus. Uh, and um, I came home for it. What happened was we would have our final exams after Christmas break. So I came mm-hmm. home for a lovely week and then had to go back to school to take my finals. They, nowadays, they have them all done and they get a month off and stuff. So, But in the old days, we didn't have that. Uh, and I went home and uh, my father didn't feel that I was taking my studies seriously. And he told me that if I didn't shape up, he was going to pull me out of school my first semester in college. Now, I was on honor roll for all eight semesters in college. And yet my father threatened to pull me out of college because he didn't think that I was working up for my potential. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about strict. That's pretty strict. I mean, there are a lot of kids who dits around in college and don't do anything and, and spend six mm-hmm. or eight years in there. My father on a roll, and he was re- he was threatening to pull me out of school, so it was, it was pretty strict. But uh, yeah,
0: it held you accountable, <laughs> though, because it set a standard,
1: and, and that's I didn't all what... my kids to the same standard. Yeah, I didn't tell my kids they had to make on a roll. I didn't tell them they had to have all straight days. I just said, "You do the best you can, okay?" Uh, and uh, we will support you uh, in what Whatever you do. We can. So, uh, right.
0: There is something I want to touch on before we, um, before we end. You used to work at Samsung, but okay. that is the second most interesting thing that we can talk about. The most interesting <laughs> thing that we really need to look at is you mentioned your classes. You mentioned that you use your books in your classes. Can you tell us a little bit more about your classes, your mentoring, your coaching, and a little bit about your consulting just so that those who are listening, if there's a possibility or an opportunity for them to work with you in some capacity, have an idea of what you do and how they can get in touch and repressed from there okay
1: well a lot of my career uh even when i was working for companies uh dealt with projects okay uh which is why i got into consulting them when i got out of working for a company and working with companies uh so Uh, A couple of years ago, a good friend of mine who um, I had worked with, he was uh, heading an entrepreneurial program at one College, and he's one of the um, endorsers of my first book, Dr. Ridley. Uh, He told me that he was going to this other school in Pennsylvania uh, to run an entrepreneurial program and so forth, and I really liked working with Rodney. Now I was living down in Florida, so it was quite a distance. And I said, gee, it's a shame I'm not closer that, you know, we could collaborate. And he said, give me some time. I got something in mind for you. So a couple of months later, he got in touch with me and he said, I got it for you. Uh, I want to start a project management course uh, to bring in people from outside of the university to get a non-credit, but a a certification Uh, in project management through the school uh, and also include students from the school and students that I'm dealing with. uh, And you're the perfect person to run that because you've got such a a wide experience in in project management. So four years ago, I started teaching project management at his school. Okay. It's been very successful. I enjoy it. Uh, I was able to put the curriculum together. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in there I included my two books for people to read and we discussed them. In fact, uh, I just been through week three of the course and next week uh, we start talking about the first book what about the vermin problem and what that has to do with project management and uh, and what you need to uh, to be aware of as a project manager so um, I, I really enjoy doing that I enjoy interacting with the students I interact with people who are in industry. Uh, who either have been involved with projects as managers or as team members or some, you know, uh, mix of that, uh, and they want to learn more and they want to learn about other things to do and, and how to be more successful. Uh, so I enjoy working with both of those groups. So I'm dealing with people who've never done it before and people who've been involved in it and everything in between. Uh, And the course really covers all those bases. Uh, In fact, I ask the students in the first class, what is it you want to get out of this class? And I pay attention to that. I review that to make sure that I'm covering the things that are important to them. And then similarly, at the end of the class, uh, they, they only have one thing that they have to do. Well, they have to participate, of course, and show up for class but they get no quizzes, they get no exams. They have to do a project utilizing the tools that they learned and the processes that they learned, report out on it, uh, what they did, uh, how they did, what the success was, uh, what tools they used, okay? Uh, And then also I asked them to give me two things. Uh, I asked them to tell me what it is they really liked about the course. And that they don't feel that should be changed it should stay the way it is and then similarly something they weren't so crazy about maybe they didn't dislike it but it just didn't feel as comfortable and i tell them to be honest with me and i take that information okay about what they didn't like and i make changes to the course based on a, a bunch of it not all that i do okay because some of it's like eh, you know we can get Around that, but uh, I've changed uh, a number of different things because so I'm, again, I'm, I'm listening to people and what it is that they want to see, and then other people benefit from from their experiences. So, yes. um, uh, so we do a seven week course, okay? And they have to do their project and they have to report out on it both verbally and also in writing and that's what they get graded on and then they get uh, certified uh, as a project manager so hmm. it, it's been a lot of fun i, I really enjoy it and i think I've, I've made some difference in some people's lives i and also what i do is i tell them we are now bound at the hip forever and what <laughs> i mean by that is they have my contact information they can call me, they can email me, they can text me at any time and say, Pete, I've got something you know, going on uh, with a project or you know, there was a tool that you had talked about and I haven't really used it and I'd like to brush up on it. Uh, can we talk about it? whatever it is? And they get in touch and, and we have a conversation about it, just like you and I are doing right now, whether it's a Zoom call or a telephone call or, or whatever. Uh, so they've got me for the rest of their lives as a re- referral, as a reference uh, that they can use uh, when they have questions.
0: And that's that's powerful. So,
1: pretty cool. I really enjoy it. it. It's a lot of fun.
0: And uh, what are your prices and availability like? Should someone be interested in joining? And do they have to be face-to-face? Is there an online platform, etc.? cetera?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I don't just automatically charge people okay if i can provide some advice to them and give them some guidance in that uh and it's you know maybe a half an hour an hour of my time i'm not going to charge you for it uh if it becomes more involved and it gets into a full-blown project then it depends on what uh, you know the the project is about uh what they're expecting from it uh can we do it on a fixed price basis? You know, uh, is it a $500 project or a $1,000 project or whatever? Or sometimes if it's more involved, maybe it's on a time and materials. And uh, then we discuss what the, uh, the hourly rate is going to be. Uh, usually I charge 125 to $150 an hour for my time. So it's not excessive. Okay. Uh, and I, I look at their circumstance and, uh, what they can afford. Uh, and, uh, we go from there. So, uh, but by and large, you know, I'll give advice, uh, for free, uh, if I can help somebody.
0: That's mighty kind of you. And you also have help in the form of your books, your posts on medium, Mm -hmm. and you have a lot more interviews like this going on where they can find you online. Correct.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. I usually post, uh, just like I will do with this, when this, uh, is this going live now?
0: No, we're going to edit it and send you the edited and unedited versions as well, so you can use.
1: Okay. So, so when you tell me that you're going to, you know, uh, go live with it, uh, then I will get that out to my network and tell them all about it and encourage them to, to follow and also, you know, to look at some of the other uh, programs that you've done that can be of help for them. Uh, so I get the word out about that just as you're getting the word out.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: We oh, go live right <laughs> yep. So whatever I can do to help you, uh, to promote your podcasts and to become more successful, uh, I, I try to do that as well.
0: Thank you. That's mighty kind of you. I do appreciate oh.
1: it. Absolutely. The least I can do. I mean, you're doing me a big service by allowing me to be on your program,
0: so. You know, the thing about it is that when we started the Boardroom Podcast, I started because I realized that in entrepreneurship and business, a lot of times, if we had just a bit of guidance and information on what to do and what not to do, it would make such (laughs) a wealth of difference. And in Mm -hmm. working with small businesses, if we can help small businesses, we reach a whole lot more people than we reach in the corporate. So that is why... We started the boardroom podcast you've been super helpful towards that goal and i'm pretty sure okay. the audience has enjoyed this talk before we wrap up because i don't want to impede on your time too much we have a tradition of asking our guests how did you enjoy today's talk
1: okay uh from my standpoint i loved it You know, I got out information that I like to get out and uh, told you some of the stories about me and my background and uh, my life and so forth. Uh, And hopefully that has an impact on you. Okay. and if you want to continue that conversation and I guess you're going to ask me how they can get in touch with me, uh, then uh, certainly do and we can continue the conversation. You may have questions, you may have problems that you want to discuss, whatever the case may be, reach out and, and let's see where it goes. Like I said, it's not going to cost you anything unless it becomes very involved and it, it, it's quite a bit of work, in which case then we'll discuss that and what that means as well, but so.
0: Thank you. So could you just repeat for those mm-hmm. who are listening or watching, just repeat your contact information We'll have it on screen and we'll have it in the description below as well.
1: Okay, three ways. Uh, First of all, LinkedIn. So if you're familiar with LinkedIn, go on LinkedIn, look up Peter Christian, uh, look for uh, author, adjunct professor, speaker, consultant, okay? Remember this gorgeous face and and match it up (laughs) to the face that's there. Uh, And then there'll be a a thing that says, you know, do you want to... Contact this person. I get uh, emails all the time from people on LinkedIn. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I have a website which is Pete, P E T E, leave the R off, Christian Books. So, PeteChristianBooks.com. That's my website. Uh, my articles will also be on there, particularly the What About, uh, uh, What Keeps You Awake at Night uh, okay. that you can read. Okay. If you don't want to go on Medium, you can get it through my website. Uh, there's also a place where you can send me a note and say, you know, I read such and such or whatever, or I'd like to discuss. And yeah, you, know, you can do that. So that's number two. Number three is uh, email. Uh, PH, my initials, PH, and then my last name, Christian, the number 53 at gmail.com. So any one of those three, you can send me a message and say, I I enjoyed your conversation or I have some questions about it or I disagree with something, which is perfectly okay. We're all allowed to disagree and we can mm-hmm. discuss things or I have something I like to talk to you about. Let me know and then we'll go from there.
0: Perfect. We'll have all that information available. Okay. We have a tradition of whenever the guest comes on and they've had a good time. Okay. We like to ask our guests, given the time that you've had, the experience you've had, is there a guest that you would like to see on the boardroom podcast in the future? And for the guests that you would like to see on the boardroom podcast, is there a question that you'd like for us to ask that guest so they can answer for you?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I have a friend who, uh, was a marketing director at General Motors for 30 years. Uh, she teaches marketing courses in a number of universities online uh, and sh- uh, I've kind of uh, floated her to, uh, to some of the uh, shows that I have uh, uh, been on because I think she's a very interesting person, certainly has a lot of experience uh, both nationally and internationally in the marketing arena. Uh, so, uh, if uh, at all possible, I, I just uh, recommended her to uh, a third podcast that uh, I've done. And I would be happy to, uh, to mention uh, her to you and you to her and see how it hooks up. Uh, but, you know, marketing is uh, something that I certainly uh, respect and have worked with. Uh, it's got a lot of play into uh, how we think and what we like to buy and not buy and, and so forth. Uh, and I think she's got a world of information that could be helpful to people uh, because we need to sell ourselves along True. with our businesses. Uh, we need to sell ourselves, and that's all part of marketing. So uh, yeah. so there's a possibility there. Dr. Uh, Janice McFall is her name.
0: Thank you. I'll invite her on. And when... She comes on, hopefully. Do you have a question you'd like to ask her and have her answer? We will ask in your stead on the show.
1: What's the most challenging uh, uh, marketing uh, issues there are? Okay, because they have their problems too. I mean, I'm the technical guy, the operations guy. They're a whole different world than ours, and uh, they come at things from a lot different focus than we do. So... So what, what uh, seem to be the biggest issues in, in regards to marketing and, and getting ideas across to people? Because that's what they're doing.
0: Yes, that's true. And getting them to make decisions right. that's in your best interest as well. Thank you yep. for your time today, Peter. Okay. You have been wonderful. Thank you very Thank much you.
1: for having me. I enjoyed it.
0: Perhaps in the future in a panel discussion on leadership and management success stories, we could have you on. Is that something you would be open to?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'd love to uh, interact with some other professionals and whatever arena they're from and yes. share thoughts.
0: Then we will keep in touch and we will organize such an event in the near future.
1: Have a wonderful day. Sounds good. And we'll
0: see you, you soon. Take care.
1: Okay. Take care. Bye bye now.